Welcome to another episode of Zeroing In, the Science Podcast. I am Shreya Mishra and joining me today as co-host is Sushant Suresh Sanjha, who is currently pursuing his bachelor's degree in aerospace engineering from the Indian Institute of Space Science and Technology and is working closely with our guest for today. Today, we are in conversation with a research pioneer from the field of applied dynamics and vibrations who has carried out extensive work in the multifariously distinct area of non-linear systems. Presently, an associate professor at the Indian Institute of Space Science and Technology, he pursued his bachelor's from the Kerala University and went on to take up his master's as well as doctoral work at the Indian Institute of Technology, Madras. His research includes myriads of problems dealing with the non-linear system and their dynamics. His work extends from the fascinating field of acoustic engineering to the very fundamental problems dealing with the structural and vibration dynamics. With almost 10 years of industrial experience, he brings in an arsenal of practical knowledge to his teachings. In our conversation with him, we talked about the fundamentals that play an essential role while working with dynamical systems and the vitality of this study in our daily lives. Along with, we also delved into his journey of transitioning through it all. A very warm welcome to Dr. Praveen Krishna. Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you so much, sir, for joining today. Um, uh, so we'd like to start off uh, by asking a very basic question about what are your ideas about the field of science and engineering in, in general and uh, what it has meant to you over the years and how do you think the meaning of it has evolved from when you started to what you are now? To me, science is something which, you know, any systematic study, I mean, in the sense, if you do something very systematically, I will call all that into the basket of science. And when it comes to technology, that is a quite bit different because the systematic study is not just enough. You should have a practical use, you know, something which is uh, useful for the common man. Common man in the sense the mankind as in, in some way or the other, you know, because people will come back and say to me saying that space science is then it is not helpful for, uh, you know, common man. It has its own, uh, you know, a positive side because a lot of scientific uh, output which we use today is actually comes from, uh, from people first for exploring the space and then that becomes, you know, useful for the day-to-day -day activities. So to me, science is basically any systematic study you can put. Whereas technology, there you know something which uh, the mankind is going to use it per se for the current period or maybe something in the near future. So that is where that the difference of science and technology comes into picture. To be very honest with you, uh, rather than getting directly into science, I was actually fascinated by close to my home there was actually a automobile workshop so when i was a kid so they used to repair scooters bikes the evening i used to see you know that fellow just takes out all these parts and then he removes it the engine washes it with uh, petrol and uh, the mufflers they will just burn it so to just make sure that the sounds are and that time there was this 
uh, high noise uh, scooters, right? What was the name of that bike? Uh, Enfield, bullet. So that thub 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 sound, you know, people ask to hear. So for that, you know, you take the muffler and then when it gets stuck, people just burn the muffler, actually. So I used to see this in this and so my aim was to actually become somebody who can repair a bike. So, or a, you know, automobile or uh, something of that sort. That is the way I have, uh, I mean, get into so-called engineering and then somebody told me uh, that, you know, mechanical engineering is where people do this. So then I thought, expecting that after that graduation, I will be able to start my own workshop. Uh, I went off to mechanical engineering. And uh, to my unsatisfaction, I found that uh, at the end of the day, we won't, uh, we can't repair uh, a bike by studying mechanical engineering was a realization after the B.Tech, but it was too late to go back. So that is actually the truth of how I came into mechanical engineering. <laughs> okay. And uh, how do you think, uh, has it I mean, changed for you now that you look back after so many years? Uh, perception change or, you know, that's what I said. No, most of the time, a lot of us gets into engineering with a lot of expectations. And at some point of time, these expectations uh, and the reality may be different. And I realized uh, repairing an automobile, uh, you don't need actually, a, you know, what you call a very high degree in engineering or you don't have to even know engineering. What at all it requires is a set of factors. So you just be with him and uh, how in India, especially our man becomes a mechanic. Is basically, he just, uh, you know, uses it, uh, be with them as a, you know, the senior person and assign with him for a couple of months. And then uh, slowly he will start, uh, you know, unscrewing the, the wheels. And then he finally gets into, even he will go back and change the engine. So that's all is required. So the, my concept of this engineering, after that engineering, it realized the, uh, there are a lot of things and engineering is basically if you want to, you may or you may not be able to go back and design some of these things or make uh, some of these things useful. And at that point of time, I, uh, especially in India, uh, you know, the jobs of mechanical engineers are becoming very, very less in the sense the four jobs. And most of the people what uh, this period which I am talking about, which is of the time which I say something like 96 and uh, in Kerala we had a lot of political uh, issues at that time because of self-financing engineering colleges and so on and so forth so our courses got lagged a lot so we are supposed to be graduated out by 96 but we graduated out in 97 February so that is what I remember so there was almost a six months uh, of uh, this one and our undergraduate was actually through a time where it was, uh, I mean, very less type of contact, uh, time of contact courses and most of the time there were strikes. It's a very peculiar with Kerala. So we missed it. So then I realized, you know, I think, you know, I have to make sure that uh, some of this uh, subjects which I studied, uh, I think I, I, I should just relook back into a serious look, so I decided uh, I will go for the master's. And after the master's, 
uh, I got placed uh, first actually I got placed in uh, Mahindra and Mahindra so I was there in Mumbai for a month but I had serious health issues so I had to come back and by that time there was a offer from uh, Tata GE so I joined GE so that is where uh, this started so six years I was with, almost six years I was with GE different parts of GE and then I realized uh, that you know it was a high time to do a PhD because a lot of my friends who was there in GE they were PhD holders so just to have my ego satisfied I thought I will also do a PhD and then uh, with a PhD then I went for uh, working in uh, since I as I told you, you know I was in during the period in G, I have worked on almost uh, different variety of engineering products, start from appliances to industrial turbines. So there was a wide variety of exposure and one thing which I was missing was basically on automobile. So I decided I have to just work on some of the automobile OEM. So I joined for uh, that time it was with Honeywell. The Honeywell was owning Garrett, so which is a turbocharger manufacturing unit. So I was a technology specialist joined there and uh, then I decided uh, after some time I decided that I think I will go ahead and teach and that is the way my career has progressed. Right, yeah. <laughs> so can you uh, briefly point out in a very indicative manner what is the importance of the study of vibration systems and the acoustic dynamics in general? Like, Okay. If you look at the way, uh, typically in the the way the science has progressed, or at least the engineering has progressed, structural engineering has progressed, uh, I will recommend all the aerospace engineers to read. There is a book by I think it is Timoshenko, which is called History of Strength of Materials. So that is actually a very uh, wide variety of the way uh, the so-called structures has evolved through the millennium is very uh, clearly mentioned. If you look at the way the uh, the structures design uh, is evolved, uh, basically looking at making bridges, that is where you no know, bridges and that is the way the uh, study has gone. And uh, earlier, before the uh, dynamics as a role, people came to know only started the railroads becomes very prominent in the Europe. So when the railroad starts building up, and when especially over the bridges, when this moving stock moves on the bridges so they found that this uh, the what do you call the uh, the railway is uh, the things are going to start failure even though they are designed well within their ultimate strength so then people realize that they have uh, they have to really look at what happens when you are going to have a variation in your load comes so that was Maybe you can say the very first kind of vibration studies which people did in late 18th century or 17th century. I don't remember exactly the year. So then people went ahead with uh, studying this, how exactly it is. So experimental studies were uh, conducted and people come into empirical formula. So a lot of what we do right now with pure theoretical background, they started with empirical relationships. So we'll say 0.5 percentage is good. But you make sure that your speed is less than 60 miles per hour. So but there was not a proper 
a study of this so see that is where the at that point of time is where i mean you can say the material science has become spun out of uh, the mechanical engineering and it's grown into its own because now you need to know how the materials behave for different types of loads so that actually becomes an important part so now if you look at this slowly this uh, thing creeped into uh, the study so people understood that the dynamics has a, a role in, in the material failure now people started working on it and it becomes very prominent when people uh, started making on electrical machine and basically you know this water turbines when they start making water turbines uh, this actually becomes a major concern for them because it's a rotating machinery and you are going to have a lot of unbalances coming on this so that is going to create a lot of structural failures so people have to start uh, designing things for that so the very first uh, things become a systematic study is basically started in industry first so any atom any industry which makes you know the rotating kind of machines they used to call people from academics or from engineers who are worked there a lot of years and solve this problems like what i was telling about the railroad they started you know classifying this pieces and bits and pieces of that as a uh, as a industry lecture notes to them and slowly that study become uh, you know very important and people developed with uh, vibration part and uh, people started using lot of concepts from electrical engineering and that is why we still use the word impedances lot of things which we borrow from electrical engineers because some of the older vibration engineers are uh, from the electrical background and uh, then people started about monitoring this and again the electrical understanding become uh, very important for us thus the measuring of vibration it becomes again a uh, very important uh, part uh, because you have to early predict when the structure is going to fail because it's going to fail before it, the ultimate strength is reached now we are coming with newer and newer materials now how this is going to behave in dynamics so that becomes an open up area of challenge sir uh, in general uh, we as an engineer like mostly we focus on the in the neighborhood of an equilibrium so solution we linearize the system and we study the dynamics but in most of your research like you have focused on the nonlinear dynamics and the stuff so uh, like what is it that interests you that much or what potential can the study of nonlinear dynamics have in the future see i will say the reverse you can't solve a nonlinear problem so you just solve a linear problem and be happy with it <laughs> okay <laughs> that's what most people do yeah i'll give you both the sides of it as i was telling you earlier right the way when you look at the way the science has progressed all the time as i was telling in the bridge engineering right people were started their analysis with a single weight loader test you load the weight see when it is going to fail say that this is your ultimate load you design with that then people are you know hit back when you have a dynamic force they started seeing uh, it fail so people have to again go back and look at things and see ah yeah there is a problem so we will modify our understanding did that then comes to the next part of it where this dynamics analysis is not again enough uh, to really do some of the predictions for example there are uh, failures which happened uh, uh, in industry especially in water turbines so when the first 
quarter turbines when there was a bigger failure on a frequency which they never predicted. So, this becomes a major issue and uh, this is actually a public domain document. One of the engineers who were working in GE power systems, his name was Campbell. So, this gentleman has found and saying that a rotating system where you are going to have a big gyroscopic couple, the frequencies can both increase as well as decrease. And then people went ahead and designing something called a Campbell diagram or safe diagram and uh, you know and this becomes an industry practice now. And he with a simple rubber disc, okay, his experiment in the lab was actually he made a rotor with a rubber. And then he showed that with the rubber you will be able to see some of the, you know, this uh, something called so called the backward wall uh, which is possible. And, uh, you know, he started telling that you should make sure that your uh, excitation frequencies where you are going to have critical speeds and this, this can create problems for your, uh, for your rotating machine. So, people groaned. That is again from the industry it came. So, understanding has improved. Now, until that point of time, we have a lot of problems which needs to be addressed in the linear domain itself. See, the gyroscopic effect is still in the linear domain. So, you don't have any mechanisms where it has to be really, uh, you know, worried about. Only thing is you didn't have a solution techniques possible for a lot of this thing. When the computers becomes possible, so people got time to really look into these problems and get numerical solutions. So, and that is where all this assumption, all the linear assumptions, all the theoretical assumptions were people using because at that point of time, they don't have any other mechanism. So, you see that olden times, the engineers were, you know, even, I don't know whether you guys might not have even seen, there were even Bessel function, uh, you know, handbooks like your logarithm tables. None of you might have seen a logarithm table. But the handbook of special function was actually there one point of time in all the design offices. Now that things have been changed and none of us teach you to use this handbooks or anything anymore, right? So the reason is, you know, you have everything which you will be able to simulate because of the numerical analysis. Now people are slowly relaxing a lot of assumptions where these analytical expressions have been developed. And that is the way the science has to progress because you have better things to visualize and uh, better things to uh, see. For example, uh, if you look at again coming back to my own field of expertise, you see that gear failures. The gear failures is uh, always a problem because you know, we doesn't want our gears to fail. The major challenge in gear failure is again seeing the type of lubrication. What type of lubrication which is already there in the system? How do you see this? How do you observe it? Physically, how do you observe it when you are going to have a high pressure, you know, when you are going to have a high uh, powertrain gearbox in an automobile, let's say for example. How do you see this? You can't see how exactly what type of lubrication happens inside, right? How do you visualize it? But now, if you look at this, if you are going to look at something where you have a CFD simulation, then you can see what type, what happens there. So, your understanding is slowly getting improved. So, your understanding once it gets improved, you will be able to better design. You, have, you will be able to make better understanding of the physics and then you will be able to make, uh, you know, better and better uh, products out of it. And uh, that is where, if you look at the way the, uh, you know, the casing dimensions, your material, the weight, a lot of these things will come down. So, that is because, you know, you are relaxed your assumptions of linearity. And you, know, you slowly get into the equilibrium based uh, design models.
now even in the linear case the equilibrium point where you do i mean it is just one equilibrium point in non linear you may have multiple equilibrium points so where do you want to operate is your choice that is where an engineer comes into picture right otherwise ansys or abacus or some software should have taken over the place so you should choose where you want to place your equilibrium point your your operating conditions and limit it that is exactly what uh, thrills you in the nonlinear thing your design space where your things are predictable or not sir now another important research that you have worked on is particularly on the wrinkling of membranes in most of the cases we have some or the other a deployable kind of structure like for example a parachute so we fold it and when we deploy it still the wrinkles appear on the on that membrane as it is thin and it has a low uh, bending rigidity but we have heard that to solve this problem there is a uh, like a great deal of difficulty which is involved so can you enlighten us about this particular field of research no i was actually working on this wrinkling because you know i don't want to see my skin getting wrinkling when i get old <laughs> so i thought there is going to be lot of potential you know bias if i just uh, make this study and then uh, you know some companies may sponsor me with lot of money <laughs> jokes apart wrinkling of thin membranes is again uh, in tune with uh, you know uh, which i was talking about the study of our uh, uh, you know the indian musical instruments per se because lot of the indian musical instruments is actually from animal origin uh, basically if you look at mridangam there is having one neck cable cow Okay, so what they do is they dry it, and they stretch it, then they bleach it, and then uh, again they stretch, and then they do lot of process on this, you know, this membranes, and then get the required temper, so that you know you will get that nice music coming out. Now, if you want to really look at uh, some of this, if you want to think about it changing into an artificial skin or per se animal skin kind of stuff. uh i really don't know is there any effect on uh, you know uh, some of this process what they did has uh, in generating the real uh, the natural frequencies or stuff like that something like an initial straining or whatever we call so if i have to give an initial straining to some of the membranes so the the membranes which uh, we use uh, like uh, the kevlar or i mean not kevlar membrane what we use in terms of uh, kettle drums one of the thing is when we want to stretch it initially stretch it so if you give a stretching a uniform stretching process a lot of this membranes have a problem called a tensile instability which is called wrinkles so if you really want to get into that as i told you right it's the same problem but the only thing is how do you look at different aspects so each of this will become a slowly a, a, a new research topic so if you really want to understand that then you should understand what wrinkling is and unfortunately that also comes to an nonlinear phenomenon that is why people try to avoid it and when i was going through reading then i have seen a you know, lot of lot of people work on this and you know who works on this kind of uh, simulations simple simulations lot of the gaming industry now if you just say you have a curtain right if somebody jumps onto a holding onto a curtain and then they jumps to the other side right the person where it holds you will see it just wrinkles right 
No, but you want to simulate it. No, that has to be as realistic as possible. So, how do you do this? You may not need an exact solution as that of engineering. But, you know, your deformation shapes has to be something which is at least, you know, close to what we see. So, a lot of the people who works on this for, you know, the gaming industry is something which pays a lot in kinematic study. They want human animation, you know, they just want to be as realistic as it is. You guys won't be realized this because now you have almost human-like animations. But when I was a student, when we started looking at this uh, computer games, that time you will see that these animations were like, ah, what the heck, you know, the way that uh, character walks are really bad. And it is good, no, because of that bad posters and stuff like that, we were able to be out of that, uh, you know, that craze which you guys are into. Now, you know, a lot of you spend your time in uh, computer gaming because, you know, you see more realistic stuff. What you can, we cannot do in uh in the real life you will be happy to see that your hero jumps from the d4 to the admin or the roof yeah so it is it is the the reason why i went to wrinkling is again because of this thing membranes have a property when we stretch it then uh, that becomes you know this instability can creep it so your understanding has to be pakka and some of our existing numerical methods have a problem example finite element uh, because you need remesh extensive remeshing and then you know your wavelength dependent meshing uh, your mesh what you do across the membrane you should be able to take the curvature so you have a problem with uh, your uh, meshing pattern so you need to look at something where you know it is not a really an element dependent or meshing dependent otherwise you may fail in capturing the curvature and you may predict uh, wrong wrinkling uh, loads so it all comes with the same intentions in the back. Whatever uh, research work I do, I accept the fluid structure interaction part. You will be able to see, you know, the whole problem comes down to the vibration, uh, you know, acoustics and then it's branching out. So, I always try to put that as my main pillar. Sir, yeah. India has a very rich uh, diversity in culture and also we have come across a lot of acoustical instruments throughout the history. We know that like you are particularly interested in some of the percussion instruments and you have also worked uh, worked on them. Like if you can brief about it then. Okay. Yeah, this is, I know, something which, uh, uh, it is not just a curiosity question, but I know it is something which I think uh, the responsibility of, uh, you know, the Indian uh, scientist to bring about, uh, you know, some of the studies. Uh, I mean, I personally feel that is that is required because systematic study of, lot of the Indian instruments has not been happened. Uh, that is what my uh, personal opinion. Very few people have worked on it, but surprisingly you will see a lot of the instruments which we use even now uh, has reference to the Nadi Shastra or Bharata Muni. So, which is actually a very old book and some of the way we arrange even in an Arangam, which is basically the place where these uh, things are performed is still according to what is prescribed in, you know, the Nadi Shastra and you will not see uh, the way they do it is you know may not be very different from something which is prescribed at that uh, old but if you look at the western counterparts and if you just go back and look at the acoustics of uh, western musical instruments say violin you will see a lot of studies and you will see a lot of studies on kettle drums I mean you know this uh, drums which is used in the western side you will see a lot of that 
and lot of the other type of instruments uh, which uh, we play there there have been you know people have been studying that and this but this kind of an effort is actually lacking in the indian stuff the reason why because is in india most of the time we call or some the somebody as a scientist provided you know he just uh, do that delta to something which is elsewhere uh, you know been produced and we do the delta increments to uh, what we do rather than looking at some of some of our instruments since sushant talked about is indian percussion instruments indian percussion instruments by construction uh, itself is very different from that of its western counterparts because you know western counterparts some of the drums are having one side open but in indian thing if you look at the percussion instruments almost all of them except very few all of them are actually closed at both sides and uh, some of them uh, we say uh, you know to be used inside and closed environment and some things we prescribe to use outside the environment though uh, we use it uh, you know without having proper thought uh, that is because of this generation but some of the instruments are prescribed that they should be used only in an open place and you should not be used that inside a enclosed so that is actually something which uh, really you know uh, one part of it or so something which we were using has a scientific merit or not and uh, you know looking at from a perspective i feel uh, the responsibility of every indian citizen and if there is some science to it i think we should be the first persons to go back and tell them the world that you look there is some science to it now if you look at the some of the musical pillars which is there even in the you know uh, the basically the uh the south india specifically uh, in madura meenakshi temple and so many other places where you can see even people were able to get music out of stone so the saptasaras of this i mean i have not seen a, a, a pure scientific study of that kind of a, you know how that thing has been made uh, i mean it is actually a curiosity question because you know this has been there for uh, at least 400 500 years for sure so and how they were able to even even give the same song and i have seen in recently there was a, a news came in one of the newspapers that in kerala they found another one uh, near kannur where they have a i think if it is a, a rock kind of structure but a shaped rock kind of structure where you rub it you will see that you will hear a different kind of noise so how it has been achieved uh, maybe because of the skilled expertise which you know the, the workmanship at that point of time and it may be you know because of our uh, structure it may not have given to somebody else it may have died out but a scientific study on that is uh, always you know encourages you to saw that there is some science behind it rather than magic right the lipakshi temple in andhra there you will be able to see that you know the weight balance i mean i personally feel it is a weight balance mechanism of the hanging pillar where you have structurally designed but you have a pillar hanging and then i think you know they were trying to do it with simple balancing of weight i mean but nobody has proved it but still you know that is an open question so some of these things always uh, you know increases your curiosity as an engineer you know how you are able to uh, do this so now again coming back to the indian percussion instruments indian percussion instruments gives you lot of opportunities for other research as well and this is something which we are missing some of the constructions of indian layered members right the the way the the layered members has been arranged uh, that poses lot of question so for example if you take the mridangam which there are two varieties of mridangam where you will see that there is something called a kachi mridangam and then there is another one where put stones in between in some places there will be you know small uh, what you call the 
small leaves are placed not uh, what is called kal kachi uh, things placed in between the mridangams and in some other types they will put actually stones kapi and if you ask a percussionist a person who reads that he will say the second one one with uh, you know stones in between the membrane is extremely difficult to generate some of the harmonic stones i mean tones i mean other constructions remain the same but you know just by doing this and when i look at from a vibration perspective you know when i look at from an engineer's perspective i'll see there is a huge difference in damping so you know how it has been achieved you know the way they place it is that an optimum way of doing it so these are all some questions which uh, you know the whole problem is the way you have trained you no know, you will try to look at in that place the other person looks at why the hell i you know how do i play this but whereas for me that poses lot of questions which i may be able to use in maybe you know uh, doing a damping control in uh, in something membranes at some place i may be able to use the technology right i can use the same idea so copying so stealing something which already there there is nothing wrong it as long as it works it's really fun to see how you see a engineering perspective in literally everything and anything that you see <laughs> So, uh, sir, just uh, wanted to ask, like, apart from this engineering side, do you have an inclination towards these music instruments? Otherwise, as well, do you play some instruments? Oh, actually, I was trained uh, in violin up to certain extent, and then um, I have to mug up some of this, you know, kirtanas and stuff, and which I am very poor at it. So I was not able to play the higher speeds. Then uh, the teacher used to tell me, I think you should mug up and come. and finally i decided you know that doesn't work for me so but at least i can uh, play i think i went up to the varnam in carnatic classic classification i was went up to varnam in violin but then i have to just mug up i started mugging up all those kirtanas i found it as it is something which i should have done at uh, younger age rather than at the age of 30 32 it is tough and you have other engagements it becomes extremely difficult I, I i play violin to say first say i play violin but uh, but i really listen to the classical in, uh, especially the south indian classical so i like enjoying it i i feel that as a music and the the western uh, heavy metal as a noise so that we i used to tell in the class uh, no hard feelings that because noise is you know it, it what human beings perceive so it it varies from person to person something is good to you cannot be good to me so it's all perception based hmm. all right i'd like to ask what do you think is one of the major uh, lackings that indian students are facing in terms of the, the students studying engineering or the ones who are pursuing it in one way or another running the rat race so uh, how do you think this should be modified and uh, can you give your perspective on the whole scenario i mean even though you people call this as a, there is a, a rush for you know rat race for engineering jobs uh, i will say that that is not exactly true to be very honest with you i personally feel the number of engineering graduates this country needs is not been satisfied because of the uh, the latest uh, stuff on you know having startups the permission to get startups and then uh, being entrepreneurs i think our uh, the population the engineering population in this country really needs to grow i still feel we have not solved problems which is very specific to this country which is you may not be able to see in other countries 
and we need solutions which are very specific to our environment our culture and a country of our size so i would like to disagree with you saying that it is a rat race but i think uh, only thing which we require is the engineering curriculum has to be modified with an outlook where we will look at how to solve our own problems i mean a unique solution doesn't exist uh, uh, you can't have it because see india is very diverse so every state and every place has its own problems and uh, the local engineers should be trained in such a way that you know we should be able to address these problems uh, you know pertaining to that see i can tell you the kerala is the one place in which where you will see a heavy lot of rain during this time and our roads are actually uh, you know you can always blame the contractor you can always blame the system which is corrupted but you know you should try to see a solution where you know this uh, somehow a, a cost effective solution where uh, the roads will not get damaged uh, you know during the the heavy rain season no open question and our transport systems are you know highly uh, if you look at the way the vehicles are designed uh, in this country you know we are all just copying it from the western right but we have our own our own problems uh, which needs to be i mean which needs to be addressed if you just look at farming you we have you know uh, automatic coping machines but the problem is if you reaping i mean when you reap it uh, most of the time the uh, the stem is actually not useful after that but you know india we have a lot of lot of these things really go to uh, the animal farms you know to just uh, feeding the cows and all that but you know if you use actually an automatic machine we lose it so at least no this is what which uh, one one thing which i face so this is an one problem which uh, we should really uh, you know try to solve it again the pollution problem in, in delhi during the uh, just before uh, the cropping season you, know, you just see that you know because of the wind direction and then we have a problem of uh, they do it in the farmers do it in their place you can't just come and say you stopped it you no know? then where they will do go with all this by products of this farming you know? so the solutions has to be custom made so india has lot of problems and i feel engineers have a major role and the only thing which i personally feel we should challenge them i personally feel in the indian academia is not challenging the students well some of your counterparts across the globe for example uh, if you are studying in some uh, western universities or technical places there are open challenges uh you know to design some things uh, i i can tell you one uh, I, there was an open challenge by one time in mit you have to design a am in such a way that it's, it it mimics a chimpanzee see chimpanzees have a lot of strength in their arms so that was a real open challenge problem and you know that uh, you have to work out uh, from some of your uh, things which are available within the lab so this kind of open challenges along with the curriculum and then make sure that along the curriculum you learn a lot of practical things and put it uh, uh, try to solve this over here i mean it is, that is what uh, i think it is mostly i won't say it is a problem with the students it is problem with our academia has to relook at uh, how to solve this problems which is very specific to our country and i will i am really surprised and uh, see you I, i don't know whether you guys really are aware of this or not even the lepakshi temple which i was telling the scientific study of that was actually done by a british engineer so the very first study was actually possible by a western a, a european rather than an indian 
so i mean so our academia has to focus problems which are very specific to our country see we are born and brought up in this country so we know the pulses of this country so we should be able to try to do problems which is very specific to this country and how we will solve this uh, you know a lot of the time the solution has to be uh, which is available to you rather than buying it from somewhere else so that is what my perspective of the indian engineering so i don't think there is a uh, problem with uh, students going for engineering i think they have to be directed uh, very well and uh, we should be able to look at uh, problems which are very specific to us another thing sir uh, along with this like what do you suggest for the students like what kind of attitude should they have when they are into these a uh, discipline of engineering like uh, how should they look at all the things what perspective they should have i asked this question to you i mean you people in the class right do you know how to repair a fan in your home or do you see you know can you repair a mixer i mean a food processor if it gets faulted in your home will you will you try to open it up will you open up a radio and say as an electrical engineer will you just open up a radio and then say yeah i know this is gone i will fix it see i mean engineering is more of observation so i personally feel the students should be told to observe things and make comments on things the moment you start looking at things from an engineering angle uh you will see that you know uh, there is a value to it i'll just give you a very small example which is all of us have come across have you seen uh, this the paper pins right the shape of a paper pin which we used to do in exams right we used to pin it right before the staplers why the shape of that pin is like that why exactly it is like that why can't we just have a and now you see when you draw in your drawing board right in your engineering graphic you have the board pin which is a different shape this is not a paper pin so why exactly these two things are different did you ask this question you know you guys have come across this in your life and believe it or me in during my times in ge one of my colleague has given us a two days lecture on how the shape of a pin is from an engineering perspective and till that point of time i didn't observe he is actually a, a iit bombay graduate and he is an engineering design graduate and he just said how the heck uh, you know you get a, a paper pin the shape it is and you know why people have not worked on it to improve it and why people will not work on it that was also as part of the second part so you will see that you know <laughs> what kind of problems you should look in life ah, the value of it the value of that work so the whole the whole purpose of uh, engineering is we should always have a close look at what we could uh, uh, really do and uh, that is exactly the question you know you have a smartphone now you know that is why that smartphone has come why the you know the entire screen is now you know you have a bigger screen and why you know what what made this the whole process is because of steve jobs one thought see the keypad is i uses only one just before calling if i don't want to dial it i don't need the number pad so can i make this number pad disappear when i don't want it and that was the question he asked correct you see that no the, the way the phone industry has changed and just my observation right we all had mobile phones at that time very very big you know mobile phones but uh, people were not thought about it now why exactly something is not required the fundamental requirement of an engineer is to observe keenly what happens can i do something to this 
can we make uh, this delta change to that that question is where as an engineer obviously will you know take you through be able to ask this question why exactly this is the way it is is there an alternative and is it an effective alternative so ask question and when somebody teaches you one of the faculty why the hell are you teaching this where i am going to use this i mean i i i, I really haven't seen uh, you guys are better but uh, you know still i have to tell you uh, in in the classes uh, i have never seen somebody is questioning that what you said is not right except two or three times in this in my years why are you teaching this but you know believe me when we were in ge we were asked this question very often whenever we propose some design there are the thousands of question why the hell it is like this why can't you just do like this why can't you just do this so before you go and present there you have thousands of questions to be answered by yourself so the questioning attitude of you should ask you now where i am going to use this some faculty may answer some faculty may not answer but what prevents you from asking this question and you are worried about your 6.5 i mean 7.5 if i ask this question if that fellow reduce my internal i will be out of my 7.5 i mean personally as i said that is what i feel the indian students should have one one of my faculty who taught me he said when he was actually on a sabbatical to one of the us universities in teaching and uh, he was taking the course and the course was for uh, see there you have to register for a course and then you have to pay so he was actually on a summer course offering there he offered actually a 40 day course and then uh, due to some issues then he has to finish it by 39 and then the students came and asked see this is a 40 hour course why are you not taking the one hour now if i am just saying that i you know i am leaving you one hour for free you guys will be double happy right and that is why i make it a point that i will take the official the prescribed hours i will not take even one less one more because one more then you have to pay me one less means you know then i am not doing my job right i mean you guys should have the courage see this is nothing is free in this world so when an academic course curriculum is put and this 40 hours is there it is your responsibility to tell the faculty that you look you need to take this 40 hours because you know you are supposed to teach me something or supposed to tell me something and you know we want people with uh, very strong will and that is what lacking in this country we don't have people to take decision and we don't have people uh, i mean yeah it may not be favorable but you have to have strong will in taking decisions and courage to take decisions and that is where i think the indian students uh, needs emphasis there is a curiosity everything is there in every one of us and uh, all of us will do something which uh, you know in certain part of life irrespective of our grades irrespective of our thing irrespective of our school marks see a lot of your people in the schools you know they may be doing good jobs even though they were not you know scoring marks in school and some some of them may become good dancers some of them may may, may have good and good politicians so people find their own way of you know expertise and they will excel when you choose as the thing what you want is you should have a strong will and passion for what you do i think rest of the things will come don't take engineering as a science subject that is all my request this is not just a questions of a set of theory and set of equations it is something a little bit more like so it has something bit more to do it as engineers we should make sure that we should make things and things that work and be pride and how pride i am an engineer
that is very very important but last part which i have to tell to the engineering students don't really worry about your grades don't really worry about your you know the final stuffs and all that just just be you know have passion in what you do and as i said you know, have pride in what you do i will tell you i have been to uh, i have been in the interview panels across the globe and i can tell you this a good institute's name will fetch an interview not a job the job is actually a grade is also the same way that may fetch you an interview but not a job you should have that thing in your mind this was zeroing in with dr praveen krishna we extend our sincere gratitude to dr krishna for sharing his insightful perspective as an engineer as well as a professor on the diverse field of vibrational dynamics along with sushant chandbag for collaborating on this episode on behalf of the zeroing in season 2 team which includes arun s kandan narayanan kriti raj murala aman navin Sean Ethan Chaudhary Fanto and I am Shreya Mishra. Thank you for listening to this episode. Zero in is a non-profit initiative brought to you in collaboration with the Alumni Association of the Indian Institute of Space Science and Technology Tiruvananthapuram. If you have any suggestions you can write to us on zeroinpodcast@gmail.com. or contact and follow us on our Instagram and Facebook handle at the Zeroing In Podcast. Mm-hmm.